0: I'm very fond that this is um, at America. We celebrate Martin Luther King Day. I think it's my favorite American holiday. And uh, usually I like to give a talk uh, somehow related to it. But I started a series uh, last week. <clears throat> and I thought I would uh, just continue with a series. and So uh, hopefully that's okay. So the series I'm talking about uh, next for next probably a couple of months is uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. It's the core teachings of our tradition of mindfulness practice, mindfulness meditation. And it lays out four different areas uh, in which we primarily practice mindfulness for the purpose of uh, awakening for freedom, spiritual spiritual liberation. and um, And so the meditation that we teach here at Spirit Rock at IMS kind of the western Vipassana scene is all based on this one text called the discourse the Buddha's discourse on the four foundations of mindfulness so I want to go through uh, the different instructions that this text gives over the next few months there are 13 exercises in mindfulness that the text gives and so some of them are well known and some of them are not so well known so um To begin, uh, I'll say a few more things about mindfulness. I started with that last week. Uh, Mindfulness uh, is a form of awareness, uh, attentive awareness, where the attention is clear enough to what's happening that we know what's happening. We're kind of present enough. We, we, We can be aware much of the day Uh, in a a kind of rudimentary way, because we're busy with things, and we're not paying paying attention, but we're aware enough not to run into people on the street and and, uh, things like that. Uh, But uh, it doesn't really register, you know, so we're walking down the sidewalk and we don't bump into anyone because we're aware enough, but ask a block block later, uh, something about the people you passed, what people? (laughs) You know, we don't remember what they look like, who they were, or hardly anything, because we weren't really present for the experience in a clear, um, uh, we weren't registering in a clear way. And so this mindfulness um, as a form of awareness is a multifaceted mental capacity that uh, I think of it like water, where water can take the shape of any container it goes into. So in the same way, our awareness can, go in, can be put into any container of mind, of attention, and it can morph and change depending on what's needed. And you get a sense of that from the similes that the Buddha used for mindfulness. One of the similes he used is that of a person standing on a high hill, or a mountaintop, or on a very high tower, above the crowds and the masses and all the drama of our social lives. And somehow from that vantage point, uh, there's a kind of uh, non-attachment. We're not swept away or caught up in the dramas of what's happening. I remember once many years ago, um, uh, stepping outside on the deck of the the apartment I was living with with four other college roommates, and uh, they closed the sliding glass door and my friends inside were having a very animated com- conversation. But because the sliding door was closed, I could not hear what they said. But I could see their animation, their hands, and their facial gestures. And it was uh, kind of an eye-opening experience for me of watching and being, really watching and seeing without being pulled into what was going on. And to be able to step back and kind of have this kind of, obser- kind of a, the observation of a naturalist, just curious and interested in watching, but not pulled in. So this is, I think, what's being conveyed by the Buddhist idea that you would kind of be like on mountain mountaintop, uh, unattached, uninvolved, but watching it. If that's all we taught, that lends itself to the idea of excessive detachment, kind of aloofness from our experience. So then there's another simile that the Buddha gave for mindfulness, it's, and that is that of a, a surgeon who, before wanting to make an incision to go and take care of what's going on inside, would very would take his or her hands and very carefully probe uh, the skin and the feel, kind of really get a sense of what's going on there, um, and after a lot of careful investigation, might um, you know do the surgery. So... The same way mindfulness sometimes is not distant or like a mountaintop, but it's right in the details of our life, right in the middle of our physical experience. Really, you know, getting close in and exploring it, investigating it, feeling what's really there. And um, uh, this means really connected to our experience in a deep way. Um, And... um, then there's a third simile, and that is of a gatekeeper uh, of, an, of a walled city. In the ancient times, they had walled cities. And everyone who went into the city would have to go through the gate. And the uh, job of the gatekeeper was to be attentive enough to see who came in and who went out of the city. And um, what was going on in the city, the gatekeeper didn't have to be so concerned about. What was going on outside the city, not so interesting, but right there where the gate is where the gatekeeper sits. And the gatekeeper can decide who gets to leave and who gets to come in. The, um, so mindfulness is a little bit like that in that mindfulness sits right at the gate, the door, the, the, of the present moment. The present moment doesn't have to concern itself with what's in the past, it doesn't have to concern itself in the, in the, in the future, it doesn't have to be concerned too much with the, what, the, what is not present and visible and really can right here. But if you're right here in the present moment, then you can, you can see uh, what the inputs are, what the stimuli are from the world around you. And you can see for the impulses that come out of you. And you can see where they, where they meet is in the present moment. And you can decide what you allow in, what you allow to receive and take in and register and be involved in, and what you allow to come out and engage in the world. And here, it's a, the simile is used for that mindfulness has a wisdom factor. That mindfulness isn't just a passive observation of phenomena, but also involves some choice about what we get involved in, what we, what we pick up, what we put down, right there at the gate at the door of our experience. I can't under- underscore how important this idea is that the present moment is the gate. The present moment is a door for a really profound ex- uh, connection to our life as it is. And it's where we can make the most useful um, choices of what we do. it, uh, once we've, made a, once we've done, made a choice, done something in the past, you can't really undo it. Uh, if you make a decision about the future, the future might change in all kinds of ways. But the present moment is where we have the most possibility to really address and, and refine our lives. An analogy of this kind of idea is, um I've used sometimes for another purpose, but is that of um, a naturalist going into the savannas of Africa to take photographs of all the animals there. And if, you, if the person kind of wand, wanders around the savanna looking for all the animals, um, the person will be there for a long time, putting a lot of effort in. Much easier way is to sit at the watering hole. And apparently all the animals in the Savannah have to sooner or later come to the watering hole. So you don't have to go searching, just sit and wait. So the same way, the present moment is our watering hole. It's a place we can get nourished and supported. and Everyone has to come to the present moment sooner or later. And um, but you just sit there at the present moment everything you need to know, everything you need to react to and respond to, or just about everything, will become clear, at least spiritually, for you know, spiritual life, the path that we have. So to, mindfulness is the gatekeeper, right there, seeing what goes on, what comes in and what goes out. Um, and then the fourth a, uh, simile, <clears throat> if uh, that seems like too much work to be the surgeon, probing and looking and doing, or... A little bit too you know involved in everything choosing who who gets to come in and who gets to go out what's supposed to happen the the fourth simile is that of a, a cow herder someone who's herding cows uh, at a time in a place where the cows can cause no damage apparently actually the text says the all the rice crops have already been harvested And so uh, the the cow herder doesn't have to kind of keep the cows from eating the local farmer's rice plants. And so at that point, the the cow herder can sit down and lean against a tree and then be very relaxed and then have a a wide-angle view of the fields or the land to the forefront. And... uh, and just enough awareness, just to know that where the cows are, what they're doing, but doesn't have to be too concerned about what they're gonna eat, where they go, because there's not, they're not gonna do any damage. So this is here to have a relaxed, broad, panoramic feeling of mindfulness, at ease, restful, the work's been done, the cows, whatever that is for us, um, the work has been done, and we can allow our thoughts, we can allow our feelings, we can allow our, the situation around us just to unfold as they will. And it's safe There's not gonna be any damage done. We don't have to monitor ourselves so carefully because we're afraid of what we're gonna say, what we're gonna do. Um, uh, we're at ease and we're comfortable with ourselves, comfortable with how our cows graze or in our life how it is. So these three, four different similes one is kind of being a kind of a distant observer of experience the second is being right in the middle of our experience really close investigating the third being the wide wise discerner who can be present enough for experience to make choices about what to get involved in and what to say and what to do and the fourth is one of uh, is meant to be one of more spiritual maturity someone who is at peace has become wise who just has no inner conflicts or drives that can get them in trouble with the world, and so you need to be mindful. But it can be much more easeful at rest, leaning against a nice tree, allowing the um, you know allowing your thoughts and your feelings to come and go, roam around as they do, uh, uh, confident they're not going to cause any damage and problems. So four different uh, ways in which mindfulness works, in which it can, it can be, it can work. And so at different times, uh, mindfulness or attention can be used in these different ways. There are times when it's useful for it to be more panoramic, kind of sitting up on a mountain top looking down, just distant observer, not involved. Other times you want to be involved, other times you want to be involved right there to make decisions, and uh, sometimes, sometimes you don't have to do anything, just sit back and panoramic and just kind of a general sense of how things are. Which of those four are useful? Uh, not only depends on what's going on inside of you, where you're at, but it might also also depend on what's going on in the world around you. And the nature of mindfulness of awareness morphs and changes all the time, depending on causes and conditions around us. And so we have to, part of mindfulness practices to know how to switch and change the kind of attention we're using, depending on what's needed in the moment, okay? So how do we develop this kind of functional mindfulness, useful attention awareness. And this is the task of these four foundations of mindfulness. And it begins with the first exercise, which is mindfulness of breathing. Mindfulness of the breathing is perhaps uh, the, the most common meditation practice that the Buddha practiced. Uh, At least the records show that uh, uh, he often, sometimes we said, if if anybody asks what I'm doing when I meditate, you can tell them I practice mindfulness of breathing. So he he gave a lot of instructions on it. And in this particular text, he gives uh, 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 four instructions about mindfulness of breathing that can be summarized in three steps. And they are, Um, recognize that you're breathing, experience it fully, and then relax. I think that's great. Recognize, feel, and relax. And that's a nice way of looking at mindfulness practice in general. If you want to develop this capacity of attention to be effective and helpful in your life, uh, one way to develop that uh, capacity is to do those three steps. Recognize what's happening in the present moment. Experience it, feel it fully. Take time to really grok it, to really kind of sense it and be with it. Don't rush to judgments. Don't rush to get rid of something. Don't rush to hold on to it. Uh, Really allow it to be there uh, in a simple way and really get to know it well. And then relax. So how this works with breathing in this text the Buddha first says, um, uh, when you're breathing in a long in-breath, know that you're breathing in a long in-breath. When you're breathing out a long in-breath, know you're breathing out a long out-breath. So breathing in long, breathing out long. Know, know that you're doing it. It's a very simple recognition of the basic experience of breathing. When you're breathing in a short in-breath, know it's a short in breath When you're breathing it out a, a short out breath, no, you're breathing out a short out breath. How I understand this is that you just get to, n- just recognize the breath that is, as it is. Just a simple experience of breathing. This does a number of things. Probably the most pronounced thing it does is because breathing is always in the present moment, if you're present for your breathing, you'll be in the present moment. And a lot of this training and breath meditation is to train your mind, help your mind, to be at rest or be settled in the present moment, to stabilize the attention in the present moment. It's one of the great pleasures of life is to have an attention awareness which is stable or at rest or at ease or settled in the present moment. As probably anybody who meditates knows, it can be quite difficult to have a mind stable or at rest in the present moment because of the power of thinking about things. We're thinking about the future, the past, our fantasies, our desires, our aversions, our resentments, our regrets, all kinds of things going on, telling stories, our conversations. And we're not quite, you know, the awareness is not stable. Maybe we bring our attention to the present moment for a moment and then we kind of ricochet off. We come back to the present moment And then soon enough, we find ourselves surprised that we're off on some kind of tangential uh, thought, thought train, far from where we were. We come back, and then we start thinking about it again. We come back to the present moment, and then we start thinking about something else. Come back, and then we're not thinking so much, but now we're just feeling a lot, just storms of emotions, and we're kind of lost in the storms of emotions. The attention is not stable here. So the idea is to cultivate the capacity so the, the attention is just happy to be, or contented just to be fully here in this moment <clears throat> and be content to do that. So the forces of, this is boring, forces of, this is not effective, this is not helpful. I have important pe- things to do, people to meet, uh, things to run away from. I, <clears throat> you know, I can't just sit here and do nothing. It's a very powerful force some of us have that uh, prevent us from just sitting here and nominally what looks like do nothing. Just sit here, be here, be in the present moment. <clears throat> so that we're uh, uh, starting to uh, we come notice the in-breaths and the out-breaths. Notice the quality, the character, the quality or the character of your breathing is a way of being in the present moment and slowly helping the mind to rest or let go, or let go of the forces of distraction, let go of the strong tendency to be somewhere else. We have to let go over and over again, come back, be here. We go off, come back, be here with the breath. Slowly, the strength of thinking about other things decreases, slowly we relax, slowly we settle in, slowly the capacity for focused attention becomes stronger. And so a number of things start happening, settling, strengthening, developing. So over time, the mind settles and becomes stable here. And when it becomes stable here, then we have greater capacity to shift and change the awareness as it's needed. Sometimes it's this overview, sometimes it's the probing, sometimes it's the gatekeeper. Sometimes it's the cowherder, just kind of panoramic, relaxed view. But the ticket to be able to do that is to have the attention stable. It's kind of like, you know, they they use the, uh, ancient world, they use the analogy of training a horse. And uh, for training the mind. And um, a wild horse that you capture can... um, for most of us, we couldn't ride it without hurting ourselves probably, being thrown off. But if you slowly tame the horse, after a while, the horse can be used. And you can do wonderful things with horses, they can be very useful. <clears throat> so the same thing with our mind, we, uh, the ancient uh, Buddhist discussion is you want to tame your mind, which I think for the modern audience <clears throat> uh, is kind of an unwelcoming idea that you're supposed to be tamed. <laughs> but maybe you don't have to be tamed, but maybe your mind can be tamed. You know, but the horse is supposed to be this majestic, wonderful animals. And so to tame your mind so your mind can be useful, so you can do these amazing things with your mind. An untame, an untamed mind is dangerous. Just like an untamed a, a horse is dangerous to ride, an untamed mind is dangerous to use. And the way we tame the mind is to help it become settled or stable here in the present moment. It takes a while for that that to happen. As it begins to happen, it happens gradually over time. It's more of a matter of a degree than it is all at at once. At some point, uh, we come to the next stage of mindfulness of breathing. And this is, as we're breathing, and feeling the, the rhythms of breathing, the expansion and contractions of the body, the different sensations that come and go as we breathe. And the mind gets more and more settled here in this body in this present moment. Then we, what becomes available to us is to feel our body more fully, to feel our embodied existence, to start noticing what's happening in our shoulders, in our belly, in our chest, in our hands, in our face. The tremendous amount of our lived life happens through our body. And if we're distracted and thinking a lot or caught up in whatever we're doing, it's very easy to live a life and not be in touch with the body, not feel it, sense it, be present for it. One of the movements we're trying to do to have this strong, stable, present moment awareness is to begin to settle the attention, not only in the present moment, but in their present moment embodied life, present moment physical experience of being right here. Again, there can be a lot of protests because the body is not your bank account. Your body is not, you know, getting more work done at work. Your body is not, you know, it's a lot of things that the body is left behind because it doesn't seem to be very helpful. Um, But in Buddhism, in Buddhist practice, uh, to uh, the, the the the... the gates to the kingdom, if you may, open up when we're settled in our physical body. So as we start breathing and get into the breath more and more, it tends to open up to a heightened awareness of what's going on in our body, both that which is uncomfortable and that which can be very comfortable to feel. And so the instructions are at that point to keep breathing in and breathing out, but as you do so, to experience the whole body to feel the whole body, what's going on. And that partly just happens by itself, naturally, as we settle in. But also the instructions, you can also kind of direct your attention to start being more aware of the body and take in all the sensations and feelings and things going on in the body. And then as we become quite familiar with our physical experience of so breathing, physical experience of being in a body, only when we're quite familiar with it then the, la- the last instruction is relax. The more technical language in the, in the discourse is tranquilize the bodily formations. Tranquil- tranquilize bo- bodily formations are those physical formations, physical um, constructs that are in our body that are there because of what we do with our minds and our thoughts. So if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, uh, you know, filled with desire and I want something, and my eyes get really focused, and my jaw gets set, and my I lean forward, all those muscles that operate to have those eyes and jaws and body kind of set that way, those are called mental formations. The the body is formed or shaped or constructed or kind of active in a certain way based on the mind and so most of our tensions that we carry in our body are have their root have their source in our minds and so that's what we're instructed to relax relax the mental formations i mean the the physical formations relax those tensions in our body that come from what we do with our minds So, and we become more aware of them because in the earlier part of this exercise, we become more sensitive to what's going on in our body. We start taking in, we see the information of where we're tense, where we're held, where we're twisted, and then relax, soften. For many people, the fact that uh, the, uh, the breathing in and breathing out is one of the great ways to support and help the relaxing of the body. So just keep breathing, breathe with attentions, relax. Soften the belly. So it begins by becoming familiar with the breathing, recognizing how you're breathing. In the process of doing that, training the mind to be more and more in the present moment. As we do this, we learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about the forces that take us away from the present moment, our judgments about the present moment, our values and what we think is really important, all the things that are kind of centrifugal force away from the present moment, how we're not content just to be here. As we kind of learn to let go of these and just settle into just breathing, just breathing, things get quieter and calmer. And as they get quieter and calmer, we tend to become much more aware of our physical life. As we become aware of our physical life, the instructions are, first and foremost, just to get to know it, recognize it. And this is very important because some people rush to try to change things, they're in a hurry. I'm gonna get this concentration down quickly. There was a kind of a, a little bit funny video made <clears throat> at Spirit Rock Meditation Center many years ago. Some, it was kind of, a, kind of a joke of a person who went on a meditation retreat and uh, after the first meditation on the retreat, or during it, really, <clears throat> uh, he left the meditation hall to call his girlfriend, and he said, "Oh, it's great! <clears throat> you know, um, and they, uh, you know, we had this 45-minute period of meditation, but I nailed it in 10 minutes.
1: <laughs>
0: Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Nail it in 10 minutes, and then you, you know, there's more things you can do." <laughs> so meditation is very inefficient because you have a lot of important things to do in life right that's the very problem the fact that we all many of us have so many things to do or want to do or so many distractions so many things um, it keeps us from uh, taking the time to settle to meditation is kind of like a sabbath for the whole system to settle in and just be here And so this part about feeling the whole body, experience it all, and not trying to change yourself too quickly is a very important part of this whole process. Take your time. But at some point, the Buddha said, you can do something, and that is you can relax. Soften the belly, relax your shoulders, relax your jaws. Soften the holding, soften around the eyes. Some of the tensions that we carry can be chronic because we have you know, chronic habits of how to be in the world that gets manifest in our body. So relax and soften. And if it's easy to relax, to release the tension, it's great to do so. If it's not easy to relax, don't try too hard because you're not ready to relax. Uh, let, take, your, take your time, there's no hurry. Be content to breathe in and out, and be content just to feel What's going on in your body? Feel the tension. If you can't, re- but if it's easy to relax, relax. And because of the reciprocal relationship between the body and the mind, as the body relaxes, this, as the tension that's in the body that came from the mind, as that tension relaxes, it sends messages or, or, or rel- relays back to the mind, helps the mind relax. And so the mind gets quieter and stiller. And as the mind gets quieter, it's easier to be in the present moment. As it's easier to be in the present moment, it's easier to stay with the breathing. As it's easier to stay with the breathing, the more sensitive we become to the body. The more sensitive we become to the body, the more we become aware of the subtle tensions that we carry. And those subtler tensions can relax. And so more and more subtle tensions and holding patterns begin to release. And subtle does not mean insignificant. So it turns out that some of the, if we, can, if we can relax some of the coarser outer tensions that we have and slowly get into the more subtle inner tensions that we have, we're actually touching into the kind of core operating system of our being, of our, of our life. Some of the more deepest kind of places of attachment and holding that are most useful to address. So this kind of process, the circular process of being with the breath, being more in the present moment, experiencing the body, relaxing the body, and then doing that again, doing it again, kind of subtle. And you don't have to do this so consciously, but it's kind of like part of the path of meditation is to kind of follow these spiral or these cycles deeper and deeper inside. So that's the core instructions for mindfulness of the body, a uh, mindfulness of breathing. <clears throat> it sets the stage for the other uh, exercises. 13, these other 12 exercises because it helps establish this present moment attention so we can now apply it to other areas of our life. And some of the areas we'll see some of the areas that I'll talk about are uh, other aspects of our body. Um, um, Six of the exercises of the 13 have to do with mindfulness of the body. And then uh, feelings with mind states and then uh, the inner mental processes that kind of run the whole show. <clears throat> so, um, so this is the beginning, mindfulness of breathing. And um, <clears throat> I wanna say that mindfulness of breathing is not necessarily the the best meditation practice for everyone. It's, and if it's not your thing, it's fine. There's other medita- ways of practicing. But for most people, it's a fantastic meditation practice. Um, it, it's, they say in the ancient texts, it's the one that's most applicable for most people. It's uh, most useful. And um, my teacher in Japan, meditation teacher in Japan, he said that all of Buddhism will open up for you if through mindfulness of breathing. Just everything you need to know about Buddhism will become evident through mindfulness of breathing. Isn't that great? Plug for mindfulness. So with that, <clears throat> um, we have about six minutes left before nine. If any of you would like to ask any questions or have any comments, you're welcome to do so. If so I can clarify any of this. Yes, Phil?
1: You used the word uh, formation in a way that um, was unfamiliar to me. Is formation a technical term in Buddhism that that has only to do with things that we create in our minds? The word is sankara,
0: and uh, the kara of sankara means to do or to make, to make. And the sun is a prefix meaning uh, with. To, to make with so um, and so some people to trans- try translating as constructions with structures with structure with something that's uh, built up um, often it's translated as conditioned things that are conditioned are, are there because of pre-existing conditions but I I, uh, <clears throat> I think more and more people are translating as formations because it, it something has been formed something that's been made and so um, uh, where we're, uh, and the, f- the primary formations are the mental formations. The, ment- the Formations also means that which does the forming, that which does the shaping. So in the mind, the activities we do there both shape our mind further and also uh, do the shaping. So that's, this is this very kind of rich word, Sankara or formations. And there are mental formations and bodily formations. And how I understand bodily formations is it's those uh, constructs, the shaping of our body that happens because of what goes on in our mind.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Or you want to ask more?
1: So it it's significant to me in terms of um, the the Heart Sutra where it says emptiness is form and form is emptiness and it seems... On the face of it, it seems sort of nonsensical, like solid objects mm-hmm. are not space and space are not solid objects. But if we understand f- f- these things in terms of the, the mind, of mental formations and the lack, it's just, it just makes a lot more sense to me. So that kind of snapped into place as we were talking about formations earlier. Yeah. The,
0: um, <clears throat> one way to understand the Heart Sutra, what you're talking about, uh, in general, is Buddhism is not so much discussing what's in the world, but it's only interested in that uh, the, the kind of the, what's happening at the gate, which is the moment of experience. So how we experience things, and the, and and when when you and so the experience of things are empty, of inherent existence, they empty of permanence. There's, there's something insubstantial about what happens at the place of experience. So like uh, this glass here, you know, at least probably, I hope, at least for a few more months or a few more years, it's, you know, going to be around. And so it's, its impermanence is kind of far in the future, I hope. So for the time being, it's here. But my experience of the glass is constantly shifting, it's fickle, it's changing. and I'm feeling it, I'm talking about it. I'm talking to you, I'm wondering if you get what I'm think- talking about. My mind's going back and forth, kind of exploring all this. And I'm not completely settled on the glass. I lose touch with it periodically as, I was, as we're sitting here talking. The experience is ephemeral. So it turns out that once we kind of begin resting in the present moment more and more, we're no longer resting in concept so much, and we start tuning into the very fact that experience itself is a fascinating kaleidoscope, ephemeral, shifting, changing phenomena. And all the things that we thought were solid, it turned out they're not quite solid the way we thought. They don't, they don't not exist, but they don't quite exist either. There's kind of, the, Buddha call it the middle, the, the middle place between existence and non-existence, where the nature of our life as we experience it to get at the gate Where the only place we can really experience it is um, is empty. Make sense? Mm -hmm. One more, especially if I can be quick with an answer. Thank you. Um, I was reading a
2: a book, "Waking Up," uh, by Sam Harris, and he mentioned about. uh, a way of kind of bringing attention inward and uh, trying to find your yourself, uh, almost like bringing the both uh, mental and visual field inward and trying to find yourself as a way of if, again like being a, aware awareness to. Um, and then he also mentioned that it helps at some point, of, uh, uh, at, at some stage, to have a like a, a Georgian teacher or someone who can help you like. Point you to the lack of, like, non-existence of self. So I'm curious, and and I'm I'm kind of still learning these things. So I'm curious what you think about it, about the attention, uh, about about awareness uh, of not having self and the need of a teacher to show that in the practice.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, to follow up on this uh, discussion about formations, um, another way of talking, using the word, uh, translating the word sankara, is as activities. There's mental activities, and we have a whole series of mental activities operating all the time. And um, so, if I'm uh, wanting to have another sip of water, that's a, there's a mental activity of desiring water, thinking about water, and all that. If I am um, sitting here thinking that um, I need to show off to all of you how good a drinker I am. <laughs> you know, I'm like one of the best drinkers on this block. And I need to prove myself now. That's a mental activity as well. Um, if I come to the conclusion that I'm the best drinker, I'm like, I'm sure I'm much better than all of you. I'm like, like that's really who I am. I'm the perfect water drinker. Boy, I'm the embodiment of it, you know. <laughs> that's just another mental activity. So the have have, mind has to be active and engaged in those kinds of thoughts. As we settle in and feel more at ease in the present moment and learn to relax and learn to settle in, we learn to recognize that there's a lot of thoughts we don't have to have in the moment. To be at peace and at ease here and now, there's more and more thoughts we don't need to have. So if I'm sitting here meditating, and I know I have that glass in front of me, I'm probably going to drink in front of you at some point during this talk, I'm sitting here meditating, minding my own business, and I start having you know the perfect drinker thoughts. I said, "Well, Gil, you don't need to have those thoughts now. They just get in the way. I'm not really doesn't really just makes me agitated. So let me, I can let go of being a perfect drinker. Maybe I can let go of needing to show off to you how good a drinker I am. Maybe I don't have to even think about myself as a drinker. Maybe I can just be here and breathe. So." there's a self that I realized I didn't have to be involved in. I didn't have to be actively involved in thinking and engaging in it. I'm better off without that. So a lot of the teachings of not-self in Buddhism have to do with recognizing how we're better off not getting caught up in activities around me, myself, and mine without being selfish. And so it's not a matter of being convinced that's so. It's a matter of as you settle in and start getting the whole picture of what's going on inside of you, what's happening, and to realize, oh, I'm I'm having those kinds of self-thoughts. Those just get in the way, they're not really helpful. I think it's okay to put them down. And once we put them down in meditation, then we also come to a place to realize, you know, I don't need to pick them up in daily life as well. So that's more what it's about. However, the attachment to self, to identity, to being someone, to defend ourselves, to apologize, to hide a self, to be someone, is so strong and so tricky and so convincing that uh, sometimes it's hard to really see where we're caught up around self and self-identity. So then sometimes it's helpful to have a good friend who can kind of, hey, you, nudge you. You know, hey, notice what you just did. And um, and so sometimes it's helpful too. So teachers can do that. So I'll end with this little curiosity thing, or not curiosity thing, but uh, I didn't realize uh, that I could get away with this as a teacher. And um, but it's a really great. Uh, um, as a Buddhist teacher, I seem to be one of the few people I know in certain situations, working with people you who know, you know formally in meditation, who can tell people that they're arrogant. And get, a, and get away with it, and get away with it. <laughs> and they say, oh, yes, thank you, they say. <laughs> well, you know, because it's, it's, I do it, you know, hopefully out of care for people, compassion, and sup- I'm there to support people. And it's like pointing out, you know, there's this thing that you're doing, you know. And it's a kind of a strong word, right, arrogant. It gets their attention, but I'm trying to help and help them to look at an area that they haven't looked at themso- yet themselves. And they say, oh yeah, and then they can look and see how that's a mental activity that's not needed. So, um, so now you're all warned. <laughs> 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 okay, so thank you all.